Spirit, lead us indeed. Lord Jesus, we give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise, Lord. I pray today, Lord, that, Lord, as we speak about your Spirit, Lord, that you would speak to me and through me, Lord. I pray that you would help us to passionately seek more of you. Lord, we pray this in your name. Amen. Well, good morning. I am excited today. Uh, there's a sermon I want to preach that I've wanted to preach for a while. And, and from that lead-in and, and prayer, we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit today. And um, I want to let you guys know, because the last several sermons and today is no different, I'm going to be throwing a lot of scripture, a lot of information at you guys. I think I've, I've mentioned before that there's times where, you know, I am preaching and it's about to lift you up, right? It's like the pulpit. We're pulling people out of the pit. And other times... I'm preaching, but it's more teaching, and the Holy Spirit is something that I feel we need to understand better if we're trying, if we are not just trying, but we want to live out our faith um, probably more fully, is the way I'd put it. So if you guys do want any of these sermon note booklets that we uh, had made, please grab one. It's interesting, I don't know uh, how you guys feel about typos, but I was reminded this morning of kind of a funny typo, and it actually kind of fit, and it realized that I was putting um, on our planning center that everybody can take a look at, I was putting down what the topic was for this week, and I didn't realize that I had put spurt. So today, and I realized, but that's appropriate, right? If we were down south, we'd be talking about the whole spurt, right? And so today, that is what we're talking about. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. And I think it's so important to talk about because the Holy Spirit is the most active person, and we'll talk about what that means, of the Trinity in our lives right now, because we know that Jesus is no longer here in flesh, right, but he's coming back, and we know that God is everywhere, but the Holy Spirit is who is alive and active in us today, and so we're going to be talking about that because I think there's so many misconceptions and misunderstandings about the Holy Spirit, and unfortunately, the King James Version didn't do a good job of helping us, because when we hear about the Holy Ghost... Right? We start thinking some really weird kind of stuff. We think that it's this like weird mist or this, this weird air and this power we can't explain, and that's inaccurate. And I think because of that, people get afraid of the Holy Spirit. And if you guys have been in charismatic or Pentecostal, uh, Pentecostal uh, circles, which is some of me and Emily's background, you can see that sometimes there's even been abuses in the name of the Holy Spirit. So I think it's important to understand who the Holy Spirit is, and next week we'll talk about what the Holy Spirit does. And the first place we need to start is an understanding of God, and that is that God is and what do I mean by that? We serve a God that is three persons in one being, right? So it's not three beings, it's three persons in one being. And that's the Father, God, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And we see this in Genesis 1.26. It said, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, meaning more than one, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Matthew 28, 19 through 20 says, and this is the Great Commission, Therefore go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, 
to the very end of this age. So we have a God that is triune, or it is the Trinity. But what exactly does that mean? So what it means is that each person of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, has a distinct center of consciousness, and they relate to one another personally. This means, and so you guys attract me with this, it gets a little bit confusing, but it means that the Father God is not the Son Jesus, the Son Jesus is not the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is not the Father, right? However, Jesus is God, but he is not the Father or the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God, but he is not the Son. I know that's really confusing. Basically what it means is God is God. Jesus is also God. The Holy Spirit is God. But they're not any of those things together, right? And it's kind of confusing, but you have to understand that we serve a triune God. They're three different persons. They're not three different ways of looking at God. So again, God the Father, the creator of the universe, Jesus' Son who died on Calvary, the incarnation, which is Jesus made flesh, and then the Holy Spirit. John 14, 6-7 says, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus is talking about his Father showing that they are different. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. John 14, verses 25 through 26 says this, All this I have spoken while still with you. So Jesus still here on earth. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So that verse talks about three different persons. But again, we're still talking about the one and only God. And so here's the thing, if you're thinking of the Trinity as math, it's not one plus one plus one equals three, it's one plus one plus one equals one, right? And so it's kind of confusing, and you don't necessarily have to get all those nuances right now, I just want to be teaching you guys what it means that we have a triune God. I saw these couple illustrations, and they're imperfect because we can't put God into a box, but hopefully it sheds a little more light on this. One being H2O. H2O is water, it is ice, and it is steam, but it's all H2O. Think of the Trinity in a similar way. Another illustration would be the sun. From it, rece from it we receive light, we receive heat, we receive radiation, three distinct aspects, but only one sun. So hopefully that helps you a little bit understand more what it means that we serve a triune God, or what it means when people make reference to the Trinity. Now I think it's important as we're focusing on the Holy Spirit to talk about the personhood of the Holy Spirit. Again, many people have this misconception that the Holy Spirit is this like, uh, like weird, mystical air or, or, or breath that just comes. And we have to understand that the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit has personhood. Again, we talked about three persons in one entity. 
So the first thing is the Holy Spirit is referenced using the pronoun he and not it. The Bible talks about he is coming. It doesn't say it is coming. John 16, 13 says, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. So again, the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit can be grieved, sinned against, and lied to. Ephesians 4.30 says, And do not grieve or sadden right, the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Acts 5.3 says, Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you have received for the land. So again, we're building this argument or we're building the truth that the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit has psychological and moral characteristics. The Spirit is intelligent. John 14, 26 tells us, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So the Holy Spirit reminds us, teaches us, and instructs us, again, pointing to personhood. The Holy Spirit also has free will. 1 Corinthians 12 and 11 says, All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. We're talking about spiritual gifts, which we'll talk more about next week. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So the Holy Spirit bestows spiritual gifts upon us as he chooses, as he deems. It's not Jesus. It's not God. It's the Holy Spirit. But again, to kind of get your mind kind of twisted a little bit, but it's also God, right? That's the kind of crazy thing. But that's one of the things that the Holy Spirit does. He imparts spiritual gifts and he has free will to do as he chooses. Emily and I were kind of talking about this before because growing up I always I had a problem with thinking that God had feelings, right? Because I was like, God is this all powerful, you know. But then as you dig into scripture you see, no, God has a lot of feelings about a lot of things. And so does the Holy Spirit. Isaiah sixty three ten says, Yet they will build and grieved, saddened, disappointed, his Holy Spirit. So he turned and became their enemy and himself fought against them. The Holy Spirit worked against some believers because they weren't believing. Right? So the Holy Spirit has feelings. Now, as I said earlier, though the Holy Spirit is a person, one of three persons, he is still God, right? And so now let's talk a little bit about the deity of the Holy Spirit, deity being a God. Many references to the Holy Spirit are interchangeable with God. And I realize I am throwing a lot of scripture, but the whole point is is I want to defend my points with what the Bible says. That's why I'm throwing out a lot of scripture at you. So again, many references to the Holy Spirit and God that are interchanged. Acts 5, 3, and 4 says, Then Peter said, Ananias, 
How is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not just lied to human beings, but to God. So in that same passage, there's a reference to lying to the Holy Spirit, but then lying to God as well. And 1 Corinthians 3, verses 16 through 17 says, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person, for God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. So again, references to God and our bodies being God's temple, but also the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I think that passage, you know, if you've ever thought about things that we do to our bodies, things that we experience in the physical world, hopefully that really kind of challenges you when you think about that, that our bodies, we need to respect them, we need to care about them, because our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit in the same way that we wouldn't want someone coming into church and spraying graffiti or, or doing whatever kind of things in here. That's what our bodies are as well. We need to respect them. We have to care for them because the person of the Holy Spirit resides in the temple, our body. Amen? The Holy Spirit possesses some of the same attributes or qualities as God. One of them is omniscience, and that is knowing everything. 1 Corinthians 2, 10-11 says, These are the things God has revealed to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For, new, for who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. And so again, we have to remember that the Holy Spirit, just like God, He knows everything, right? So again, hopefully you're understanding that these scriptures, these passages are again pointing not only to God or, or the Holy Spirit being a person, but also the Holy Spirit being God. And again, it's a lot to wrap your mind around. For many new believers, it's one of the huge stumbling blocks for them because it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But hopefully, as you guys have already done, and hopefully as you're doing, the more you understand Scripture, the more you're digging in there, you start to see, wow, okay, I understand God. I understand that He is triune. And next week, again, we'll be talking more about what the Holy Spirit does, because that's a really exciting part of it, because as I mentioned earlier, it's the Holy Spirit that is the primary workforce, the primary person that is working in our lives today, again, because Jesus is not with us here in the flesh anymore, and God is everywhere, but the Holy Spirit resides inside of us, right? And I'm excited to talk about that, because if you've ever wondered, you know, I hear these people talking about, I hear the, Lord, the, the leading of the Holy Spirit, I, I had a vision last night, or wow, there's just some, just some miraculous thing that happened, that's the Holy Spirit. It's not me, it's not you, it's the Holy Spirit. And next week we'll talk about how do you understand that more? How do you get more in tune with that? But the first thing you have to understand again is the Holy Spirit 
is real. The Holy Spirit is a person, and the Holy Spirit is God. So as I mentioned, there is something a little bit different about the Holy Spirit, something that makes the Holy Spirit unique, and that's that the Holy Spirit is God within us. 1 Corinthians 3.16, I believe that passage is going up. It says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20 carries on with that theme. It says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Amen. So again, the Holy Spirit is dwelling within us. And think about that, that the creator of the universe... Almighty God blessed us in such a way that we have God in us. Think about how powerful that is, right? That if the creator of the universe can't create the world, don't you think that the Holy Spirit, God in us, can maybe guide us, can guide us through some decisions we have to make in our life? Maybe the Holy Spirit can keep you safe in an unsafe situation, you wonder how miracles and those things happen? The Holy Spirit. That's what's so powerful. So you have to ask yourself, do you believe that the almighty creator of the universe with all the power in the world that can do anything, do you believe that the Holy Spirit, that God resides in us and that there's amazing things he can do to and through us? If you ever wonder how a drug addict out of the blue, out of nowhere, that addiction is gone. It's the Holy Spirit. Right? Amen. Absolutely. If you ever wonder how healings take place, it's the Holy Spirit. It's God in us. Right? If you ever wonder, wow, how does that, that, that crazy discernment or just it almost seems like that person just knew what was going to happen, it's the Holy Spirit. But you have to desire that. You have to desire more of that. Do you want the leading of the Holy Spirit um, I realize there's a couple names for these. Is, uh, Mata, how do you pronounce the Matryoshka. Matryoshka dolls. I think I saw another person call them babushka dolls, but then I looked up today, and babushka means old woman in Russian. So I was like, okay, let's go with the Matryoshka dolls. That sounds a lot more appropriate, so let's go with that. But you know what's so cool about that is that you see the little doll inside the other one, right? And that's such a good image of the Holy Spirit in us. And I thought of another one, and unless you're into video games or unless you're a millennial, this might not make any sense to you. But for those of you that might know what a mech is, a mech is kind of like a robot, and there's like a person driving the robot, right? That's what a mech is. Okay, everybody's looking at me weird. Believe me, that's what a mech is. But here's what's so incredible, right? So the driver of the mech can make the mech do whatever it wants, right? But we're not puppets to God because we have free will. But here's the thing. God knows better than us how we need to drive and direct our lives. So if we want, God can steer us. God can be the little pilot inside of us. That's the Holy Spirit. Again, he's not saying you have to obey in everything that I want you to do. But if we're willing to submit to the leading of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit takes over, that's when amazing things start to happen. And it doesn't mean that your life's perfect, but it means that you've allowed someone else to be in control. 
And I think that's a great illustration, right? That do you want God to be the person controlling your life? I know I do because the times when I want to take control, all kinds of problems happen. But it's are you willing to let God lead you, to let the Holy Spirit lead you? And again, as I mentioned, of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, it's the Holy Spirit that is most active in our world today. So submitting to the Holy Spirit's leading is really important in your Christian faith. So here's a question that people ask, and I was talking to someone earlier about this, because even amongst Christians that are going to heaven, there is some debate about this. And so I'm going to talk about you know, what I believe and what I, what I feel. So number one, we are told that the Holy Spirit came in the New Testament at Pentecost, right? And Pentecost is a feast of harvest. So what's interesting is Pentecost happened every year. It's just Pentecost is also that term we use as the start of the church when the Holy Spirit came, but Pentecost existed before that event. So when I'm talking about Pentecost here, though, I'm talking when the Holy Spirit came, right, and tongues of fire. That's what, that's what we're talking about, this event. So we're told that the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. But here's the thing you've got to remember. The Holy Spirit has been around since the creation of the world. Genesis 1 and 2 says, Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the water. So the Holy Spirit always existed. It's not like the Holy Spirit just grew this, you know, the third part of the Trinity. No, no, no. Holy Spirit's always been there. Next, the Holy Spirit was active in people's lives prior to Pentecost, right? Judges 3 and 10 says, The Spirit of the Lord came on him so that he became Israel's judge and went to war. The Lord gave Cushan Rishthayim, king of Aram, into the hands of Othniel, who overpowered him. So we already see the Holy Spirit having effect in people's lives in the Old Testament. Second Samuel, again, the Old Testament, 20, uh, 23 and 2, says, The Spirit of the Lord spoke through me. His word was on my tongue. So the Spirit's what led the prophets, right? And we talked about, if you were here last year, how the Bible was inspired, how the authors of the Bible created the Bible that's God's word. The Holy Spirit inspired them, right? So we already see the Holy Spirit working in people. Matthew 1 and 18, this is probably the most amazing, incredible aspect or the most incredible thing that the Holy Spirit did. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit caused Mary to get pregnant. She was a virgin. Think about how amazing that is, right? I mean, it's crazy to think about, but that's how powerful the Holy Spirit was or is, and that happened before Pentecost. So that happened before we read about the Holy Spirit coming on top of those who are there gathered after Jesus' death. So the question is, what is different about Pentecost? And what did Jesus mean when he said in John 14, verses 16 through 17, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him 
nor knows him. Right? So already we're seeing some of the issues people were going to have and had with the Holy Spirit. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. So what does that mean? Well, here's the thing. When we look at the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit manifested the way he wanted to. Right? We don't read in the Holy Spirit that everybody had the Holy Spirit within them. We see that the Holy Spirit kind of, you know, went on this person, did this miraculous thing, and then maybe the Holy Spirit left, right? That's what we're led to believe by what we read, and I would agree with that, that the Holy Spirit manifested in separate individual ways with certain people. It wasn't everybody, but that was before Pentecost. And at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit manifested in such a way that all believers would receive him. Right? So what that means is from Pentecost to today, anyone who is a believer receives the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That is how I interpret the scriptures. That is what I believe. Now it's important to understand that Pentecost happened once. Right? So it's not like when someone becomes a believer, there's a whole bunch of Pentecost that happen. It's just like when Jesus died on the cross. Jesus doesn't die on the cross every time someone becomes a believer. He died on the cross once, right? But the blessings or the results of that affect us to this day, and it's the same thing when we talk about the Holy Spirit coming. Now, here's the thing. I had this, uh, I saw Emily today that I, I read this other illustration about this, but I felt, you know what? Okay, so it's the Holy Spirit. I was like, the Holy Spirit was leading me not to share that, because I think it's going to confuse them, and it's going to confuse me. So I won't share that. But what I want to do and we'll have Matt come up, is I want to close by asking you or saying this, that there are those, when they talk about the Holy Spirit, they don't believe that the Holy Spirit is received by people when they're saved, right? They talk about a second baptism. I don't believe that. I believe that we all receive the Holy Spirit when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. But here's the thing. I do believe that because of some blockage, because maybe there's some crazy sin pattern, maybe you're not paying attention, that not everybody is walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit or the true power of God. I do absolutely believe that. And again, maybe it's because of the way they're living their life. That's why the Holy Spirit isn't manifesting in the way that he is in other people's lives. Or here's the other thing, perhaps, and I would say this was my case, and I grew up in a very traditional Free Methodist church. We didn't talk about the Holy Spirit. No one ever taught me or educated me about the Holy Spirit and who he does, or who he is and what he does. That's why it was a burden on my heart to do that, because I want you guys to know the incredible power of the Holy Spirit. And so what I want to do, if we could turn down the lights, I'm going to ask you guys to close your eyes. And bow your heads. Number one, if there's anybody in this room that doesn't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you're saying, Lord, I need you. I want to experience these things, but I need to know you as my Savior. I ask you to raise your hand. And if there is anyone in here that says, I am a believer, Lord Jesus, I believe in you. But Lord, I just don't understand your Holy Spirit. But I want more I want to experience the fullness and the power of you, 
Lord Jesus, of you, God. Holy Spirit, I want you to lead me. I want those spiritual gifts we're told to pray about. If there is anyone in this room that says, I want you, Holy Spirit, raise your hand, and I'm going to pray for you. Lord Jesus, I pray, Lord, that for those that have raised their hands and maybe those that are are wondering, Lord Jesus, they're wondering, Lord, what it means to have the fullness of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would manifest in all of our lives in such a way that we would see incredible things happen, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would reign Lord, that we would allow you to be in control. Holy Spirit, have your way. Direct us. Holy Spirit, we pray for your discernment. We make decisions. When we're doing things in our everyday lives, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would take over. I pray, Lord, as we head into this year of wanting to transform the Bay Area and beyond through your love, that your Holy Spirit would be guiding us in all that we do. Lord, help us to surrender our lives to you. Help us, Lord, to allow you to be the driver of our lives. And Lord, we pray all these things in your name. Amen. We love you guys. You guys are dismissed. If you guys have any questions about the Holy Spirit, come talk to us. I'd love to talk to you guys about it. Amen.